The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, Tony Macia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today's podcast is part of a special series we're doing in which we interview winners of the Charlotte Ledger's 40 Over 40 Awards. The recipients are people ages 40 and up who are making a big difference in the Charlotte area. People who saw a need and took action. You can find out more at ledger40over40.com. The host of today's podcast is Steve Dunn. and his day job, he's a mediator who offers dispute resolution services through the Charlotte office of Miles Mediation and Arbitration. Enjoy. I am Steve Dunn, and here again on our ongoing series of interviews with winners of the Charlotte Ledger 40 Over 40 Award, I am joined today by Brian Baltashevitz, founder and executive producer of Queen City Podcasts. Welcome, Brian. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Well, I have to begin by saying it's a little nerve-wracking to have a professional podcaster on <laughs> the Charlotte Ledger <laughs> podcast. I can't help... But that you're, you're, the gears are turning in your mind already to critique our setup. Oh, not at all. I'm actually, I love your mic stands. Oh, yeah. All, these well, are, those uh, are pretty great. To give a visual to our listeners, what we have are uh, their desktop mic stands. So it's a weighted base with a, kind of a short microphone stand. So it sits on the table. Yeah. The, the mic stands we currently have in our studio, the bases are sort of cast iron, but they're too small. And the mics are front heavy and they tip over all the time. So I'm, 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 I'm increasingly frustrated with our mic stand. So I'm coveting your, your mic stand. All right. Well, I'm happy to send you an Amazon link <laughs> if you'd like. I, I find that something like this works a lot better than the kind that clip onto the side 100%. of it. That, that's just unacceptable. Yeah, right? with the springs. Yeah. We could, I think, probably go all day. You've been doing this a lot longer than I have, but... Just in my short time experimenting with podcasting, it is remarkable how much there is to learn, especially starting from zero. And I imagine that that's a big part of what you do in your work is helping people sort of overcome that learning curve. Yeah, we we still spend a surprising amount of time just explaining to some people what a podcast is and how to listen to it. I mean, podcasts, the word podcast has been in the lexicon for a decade probably maybe slightly longer than that and it kind of the mainstream lexicon and it, and yet yeah, still spend probably three hours a month explaining to people what a podcast is i'm a little surprised to hear that because it kind of mm -hmm. feels like podcasts are like the the new blog in the sense that it's yeah. like everybody's got one you know what i mean yeah it feels that way they've certainly gotten over sort of a critical mass in the culture where there's a lot of people who are would describe themselves as dedicated podcast listeners. I mean, I, I don't Absolutely. think it, that's so unusual, but it sounds like maybe I'm wrong. And maybe maybe I, as a guy with a podcast, would feel that way, whereas yeah. you're yeah. out there in the world every day talking to people who are really unfamiliar with the concept. And, and maybe that's a good place for us to start. You've been doing this a long time. You've been involved in audio over the internet since 2003. Yeah, right. Yeah, early 2000s. It started streaming live hockey games in Arizona on the internet through, remember people still had dial-up? I vaguely recall. So it it was a real effort to listen to a hockey game on the internet back in the early 2000s. And that was really sort of where I started to think, you know what, maybe there's an appetite for this. We, we were hosted at the Arizona Daily Stars website, which is the daily newspaper in Tucson, Arizona. I was doing hockey games on the radio for the University of Arizona. 
and uh, said, hey, what if we stream the games? Approached the Daily Star, and to their credit, they said yes, which was... How it, did e audio streaming even work at that time? Not great. <laughs> Were you, um, was it, did it... Did you have to go through a web browser? It was, yeah. So, gosh, now, now I'm even trying to remember. The Daily... It was... I want to say the real audio program. Remember that program like back in the like early yes. 2000s? I want to say it was through real audio. The Daily Star could embed a player onto their website. And then and basically what they did, and I'm sure this was illegal, streamed the radio broadcast over the internet. So we could get, it was the University of Arizona's ice hockey teams. So parents and opponents and things like that could um, listen to the games. And it worked. And I'm sure looking back now that that had to have been illegal. Today that would have been shut down. It's somebody four else's minutes. broadcast, right? You're, you're just rebroadcasting something else. Yeah, and we had permission from the radio station to do it. I mean, we all kind of worked together to do it, but even still, I'm sure that I'm sure that was illegal. Plus, it was copyrighted music and commercials that probably weren't. You know, I mean, it, it was just a tangled web of legal concerns and well how far we have come now whatever legal concerns exist today we we feel better prepared to deal with them but like we say podcasting even the charlotte ledger has a podcast now yeah. right and yeah. but it's still relatively new in this this is a, a reasonably new initiative for the ledger mm -hmm. and when i say it it feels like a blog in the sense that everybody's got one i guess what i mean is sort of early adopters and people that are geeky and experimental with new technologies are, are certainly familiar with it but as you're let's just put it this way as you're meeting with one of these people that you're meeting on a monthly basis who struggles mm -hmm. to even understand what a podcast is, how do you explain it to them? A podcast is, is I hate that I explain it this way, but it's basically, it's a radio program. That tends to be what people understand. I think it's a great way to put it. Yeah. It, you can listen to it anytime you want. Right. It's a, it's a radio show that you can sort of hold in the palm of your hand and listen to anytime you want. Stop it, start it. You can skip forward. You can go backwards you can you can email it to other people if you're inclined them to do that so it's it's sort of on-demand audio similar to an audio book a lot of people now they confuse the word on podcast or what our actual podcast with you know a thing they watch on youtube or something thing like that so we have to kind of explain it a little bit well if you're a purist a podcast is you know a piece of audio that is free on the internet in multiple locations that you can get and stop and start and everything right so joe rogan's show available strictly on Spotify right now is technically no longer a podcast if you're if you're a purist. It's yeah, well I was not familiar with this purist definition and it's kind of interesting because all that is in flux really at this moment, right? Yeah. You've got more and more podcasters are adding a video component mm -hmm. and streaming on YouTube or you know posting their video versions right. on YouTube. And I think a lot of folks are finding I mean, the kids these days right, are watching sense. it on YouTube more than they are yeah. listening through their podcasting apps. And then there's there's also a group of folks who are doing sort of a kind of a freemium model where they'll 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 give you the first you know x number of minutes yeah. of the thing for free, and then it cuts off and says if you want to continue listening, you either got to subscribe or you got to be my my Patreon sponsor or yeah, something, yeah. something like that. So it, it's interesting. It's, yeah, I guess it is a new enough technology and cultural phenomenon that all of these concepts are very much in flux, but but there's the old school types like you <laughs> have a very purist definition, yeah. according to which it's got to be free. And what what are the other attributes um, of a podcast, a pure podcast? I mean, it has to be free. It's got to be audio only, and it has to be available literally everywhere that podcasts are available. So not just Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It needs to be available, you know, 
on any distribution platform or or at least a lot of distribution but it it's literally imp- impossible to be available on all the distribution sources but and you need to be able to you know of course stop and start it and things like that so free available just about anywhere and stopping and starting what's your own experience in podcasting i know that you've you've Got a good 10 years of it at least. So going back to the early 2000s yeah. when you're pirating hockey broadcasts <laughs> for the, for the, uh, on the universe, on the, on the local news station, yeah. all the way up to a proper podcast. What, how did you get your feet wet in yeah. that one? So I'll tell you the extremely abbreviated version. There's another 49 minute version of this, but I'll, I'll spare you that version. But in about 2005, 2006, I worked in broadcast television for 28 years. And so had a lot of friends throughout radio and television and things. And about 2005 or 2006, Clear Channel uh, had their first purge of on-air talent. And they let go like 50% of their of their talent across the country. And a lot of my friends lost their gigs. And so that was kind of, with my experience over four or five years of producing audio on the internet and kind of realizing that there's an appetite for it, I thought, well, what if we took all these people who had lost their their wacky morning zoo shows and things like that and created a place online where you could find all these people. So we called it Radio Exiles, radioexiles.com. And we launched a week before Adam Carolla launched his ACE network. So I guess that would have been 2006. The difference, of course, being he's Adam Carolla. We were, you know, a bunch of kind of radio nobodies. And, but the concept worked at one point. So I ran Radio Exiles for about seven years. And we were getting about 150,000 listens a month, which at the time was was a good number. We had about 15 shows, 18 shows a week. And and so that was kind of like right before the word podcast sort of existed. What did people call it at that time? Like a it was online a, radio show? Yeah, it was kind of online radio. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. A, uh, internet radio. Right, right, was right, a big right. Thing. And, then, and then podcast came out. I thought, great, at least now we can call it something. It, this yeah. is amazing because I, yeah, I was around for all this stuff and I remember yeah. it, but I don't, I, I hadn't really thought about it in a long time. At the time I first became aware of podcasts, it was, it was a bunch of bloggers who were mm-hmm. sort of just in the same way that blo- that podcasters today are sort of crossing over to YouTube, at that time it was like bloggers were crossing over to podcasting. Exactly. And so they're yeah. getting, they're having a lot of just having each other on their shows, yeah. <laughs> you know, right. getting right. together. And I imagine the same thing is happening in the radio world, right? But at least I imagine the radio folks, like at least they know like about production values and how to get good sound and stuff like that. Yeah, we had really, really good content. It was really, really funny the radio personalities could could swear for the first time in their in their decades long right. careers and so that was kind of like you know they were like kids in toy Is stores this before satellite radio do that's a good question yeah a- anyway yeah, it would have been swearing over the airwaves yeah, <laughs> yeah it would have been because i i can remember thinking when howard stern went over to uh sirius so it would have been maybe th- i can't remember how long stern's been with sirius now but right. it was it was maybe th- three or four years before that yeah you were the first people using profanity over the broadcast airwaves yeah i'm i I mean you could look at it that way but it was it was i mean like you know the first time that some of our podcasters went way overboard sure (laughs) because you know it was the first time in forever that they've been you know allowed to drop an f-bomb on their on their show and so like every third word was sure (laughs) yeah of course something that they couldn't have said and then they this is kind of gradually pulled it back, but well, at first you, I was like, "Wow, this is okay." Experiment, see what works. <laughs> see what, that that stuff probably wears thin, you know, pretty yeah. quickly. But having that sort of freedom allows for experimentation, and some of those experiments mm-hmm. are going to endure, and yeah. and some of them still do. Some of those folks who 
got their start. You you had mentioned Joe Rogan as an example mm-hmm. of someone who is no longer a podcaster according to the purest definition, right. but he's somebody who was early to it. He who had a yeah. broadcast background himself is a television host. Or it, and also a comedian, which I yes. think there's a ton of overlap there, right? 100%. I mean, a, a yeah. lot of, I, I almost, I, I, it's almost like mandatory now for a comedian to have a podcast or be on a lot of podcasts anyway, don't you think? Yeah, in order to, in order to sort of continue to be out there and stay connected to your, your audience, it, it's, it's, I think, a really, really valuable tool to, for comedians, especially now since comedy clubs now are booking YouTube acts as opposed to booking sort of stand-up comedians. So stand-ups have to work, work even harder just to get booked in the clubs anymore. Well, it totally plays into their strengths. You know, it's folks who, who can yeah. talk to each other and, and be funny sort yeah. of in an improvisational sort of way. And as we bring it around to your current work with the Queen City Podcast Network, one of the things that you're involved in is the Comedy Zone podcast, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You're, you're still doing that? Yeah, eighth in our eighth year this year. That must be fun. It is fun. It is fun. It was early on. So we launched May of 2015 with the Comedy Zone podcast. And at the time, we were the, it was the first comedy club in the country to have its own podcast. Now every comedy club in the country has its own podcast. So we came out of the door with Bob Saget as our first guest, which was great. And he was so, I mean, he was nice and just everything that everyone says about Bob Saget was 100% true. And he didn't have to do that. He didn't even really necessarily know what a podcast was, but he took, you know, a half an hour in between shows to sit down with us and talk about his career and where he'd been. And we asked him questions that, you know, he's like, I've never been asked that question before. And it was great. And that's exactly what, you know, a comedy podcast should do. And so we would get the A-listers when they would come through town for the first probably three years or so. And then every every comedy club in the country has a podcast and so it's a little bit tougher to get them to say yes because now they're getting asked every single week to be on a comedy well and they got their own podcast and they're yeah Yeah. that's that's the thing it's one of the things i've noticed is that there are a lot of podcasts (laughs) there (laughs) are and there are people and people tend to sort of make the rounds yeah the thing to remember though is not to throw statistics at you though is that um so since the lockdown about a million podcasts got added to the list so there's about 2.2 million podcasts now on Apple alone, only about 250,000 of those have released any new content in the last 90 days. Right. So that that's, I, I mean, okay, yes. There's a lot of shows out there that are that were going to be limited run anyway. We've produced a couple that were going to be eight episodes and that's it. There are other shows that, that went on maybe for three or four or five years and the people who were running that podcast just said, okay, let's, you know, we're going to shut this down and maybe do something else or just stop doing it. But the other vast majority of those are podcast producers who thought, hey, it might be cool to do a podcast, then realized how much stinking work it is. Right. Then realized how much you have to promote it. And there's a name for that now. They call it pod fade. <laughs> and at, after about the four month mark. Right. That we, enthusiasm begins to wane. Yes. It, it, like this is just so much stinking work. And I've, you know, I'm not as hip or as funny as I thought I was. Me and my friends maybe can't, you know, sustain a thing like this. And the relentless self-promotion gets exhausting. There's and then really almost, show. yeah, it's hardly any money in it for the vast majority of people, right? For the, the, the 99.9%, yeah, there's there's no, yeah. The monetization point is is out of reach for most, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's so, it's so interesting. It'll be it's going to be fascinating to see how this continues to develop because a lot of those podcasts that are defunct now are it'll be like it'll be rich fodder for like the archaeologists of the future. You know what I mean? Because there are things out there, and there are things out there that are no longer creating new episodes, but I think right. are probably still bringing in money, and probably always will. Some of those single season yeah. type things that you talked yeah. about, I've I've always thought it, it would be interesting. You know how um, every now and then. Somebody will become suddenly very famous out of absolutely nowhere. Right. I yeah. think it'll be interesting to see when, and this is going to happen. It probably won't be long when somebody becomes very, very famous suddenly out of nowhere, and then it turns out that oh yeah, that person was a guest on like five podcasts like several yeah. years ago. <laughs> you know, yeah. and we yeah. go back and listen to them, and it'll be yeah. insightful. You know, yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's a guy here in Charlotte named Ryan Davis, comedian who he had done, he had a, a post he put on Facebook about Odell Beckham Jr. And it exploded overnight. And now he's been on Enthusiasm. He's been on, on HBO's, not the Apollo, but Def Comedy Jam on HBO. Sells out shows across the country. And he had, I mean, he was a, he was a local comic. He had maybe a tight 15 minutes. And he's like, it, it, like I mean, he went from you know a, needing a tight fifteen minutes to headlining shows in the span of about three months. It and we first to tell he's like, I wasn't ready. <laughs> of course I was not. Not ready for that. Well, but this one post just exploded. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that in, in my short time as a podcast producer myself, one of the things that I tried to do is to avoid marking the conversation in time right so i, I try <laughs> yep. to i try not to say about like things about current events or yeah. to refer to the weather or you know anything along those yeah. lines it's just one of those things that i do but i'm going to break that rule right now right. because it just so happens the charlotte ledger has yep. joined the queen city podcast network so yep. th this is a timely moment <laughs> and it's a perfect opportunity for me to invite you to explain what is the queen you have described it as the first large-scale hyper-local podcast network in the United States. Yeah. What do you do? So I'm super excited, first of all, to have the Charlotte Ledger podcast on the network. It just, it's such a perfect fit to what you, know, what you guys do and, and what we do really do complement each other. So I'm super excited. So welcome to the family, first Thank of all. Thank you. So the Queen City Podcast Network is a collection of now 37 locally produced podcasts about all produced local produced by people in Charlotte about Charlotte talking about for the most part things happening in Charlotte and things there's there's a couple ones where we bent the rules a little bit but but for the most part they they are all about them Charlotte everything from news and current events to nonprofits to sports to entertainment to comedy to business to um, society and culture all kinds of different things so yeah 37 different shows they're all produced here. About two-thirds of those are produced by the network itself. Okay. And when you say produced by the network itself, what does that mean? What services do you provide to these folks? So uh, the shows that are produced by the network were actually originated at the network, ideas that we've come up with and said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this show? And then because it's it's our it's our sandbox, we go we go well. Let's just make it and let's you know see what happens. So we produce probably I don't know what the number is right now twenty three maybe twenty four of those podcasts are produced by by us within the the walls of the network. We've got some strategic partnerships, folks that we work with, Blumenthal Performing Arts, the Charlotte Ledger is one of them, Center City Partners, entities like that, WBTV that we produce a podcast with and provide when we need to provide some production support. 
And then the other probably maybe seven or eight podcasts in that network are sort of independent producers. So shows that we've gone out and said, hey, you know, you've got a show that we really like. It fills a gap that we have in our programming. Would you be interested in coming on board the network? For the most part, those shows are sort of self-supporting. Like yours, you're, you're really good at what you do, so you can, you know, you don't need our help. You can, you're certainly welcome to it if, if you ever do need it, but you don't need our help. And, 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 and well, what kind of help are we talking about? Yeah, you, you have, you have podcast studios around, yep. you've got more than one, right? Uh, two studios in our office. We just moved about five months ago to an office on Trade Street. And so we've got two studios in there, one of which is strictly for podcasting, but there is a video component to it. And then another room that's really set up for video first, but we can, if we, if we have a, scheduling conflict we can we can sort of retrofit that room for for podcasting as well but there's an incredible learning curve and yeah. there's a lot of folks who are really knowledgeable in their field probably have a lot mm-hmm. to share might be interested in dabbling in the form but boy they don't really want to learn the difference between a dynamic mic and a condenser mic they no. don't want to learn how to use digital audio software it's yeah. it's, it's there's, there's a lot to overcome and I imagine you can be extremely helpful to folks like that. The one part of this that I didn't expect was f- for non-network podcasts, for companies, for individuals to come to us and say, you know, your network's great, but we don't necessarily, our eyes are set. You know, everybody who launches a podcast wants to have a global footprint. But for people who come to us and say, you know, hey, you know, we like your network. We don't necessarily need to be a part of it, but can you help us with the technical elements of your of our podcast. Can we use your studio? Can you do the post-production? Can you do the file management uploading? Can you manage our social media and help us promote it? So all of those things, and then they can just focus on the content and do the thing that they do best and then let us do what we do all day for them for a nominal fee. But, but you know, it, it's the part of all of this I didn't expect. I thought that the network would just kind of be what we did and then all of a sudden, I had people walking off the street saying, you know, hey, I need help. We've we've worked with a couple Fortune 500 companies. We produced Steve Smith's podcast, Cut to It, for Underdog Fantasy, which is, which is a fantasy sports network owned by Mark Cuban. I never in a million years would have expected that to be this a thing that This is Steve happens. Smith, most notable for being number 89 for the Carolina Panthers. Exactly, and yeah. He has a podcast that, what, what is, what's his format? What, what does he do with it? So I'm cut to it. For two seasons, he was on iHeartRadio, which is formerly Clear Channel, which is ironic because I kind of came full circle with everything Clear comes back around <laughs> eventually exactly right right so for two seasons he was he was with iheart and he basically talked to athletes we did 52 episodes a year he talked to athletes not like about like what's it like to score a touchdown in the super bowl really really in-depth really personal conversations with these athletes michael vick we did a two-parter with michael vick in season one that i will never forget i've heard I've heard stuff, and Michael Vick got so personal and so real in that conversation about being in prison, about, about I mean, it's still out there if you search for it. It's a fascinating look at not only Steve and his, and his career and his, his rise up to, to being uh, a future Hall of Famer, but also who he is and kind of what he went through. Well, let me ask you about some of the podcasts on the network. I'm a podcast listener. Okay. Uh, I've 
heard of some of the podcasts in the network. I've mm-hmm. listened to some of the podcasts in the network. And at the risk of asking you like to choose your favorite children and, uh, right. or putting you in an awkward position yeah. or something like that, uh, uh, you know, are there are there any? Let's, let's let me phrase it this way: are there, are there podcasts that are produced in Charlotte that have grown outside of Charlotte and are having an impact in a in a broader area? Yeah, I'm absolutely on the network. The ones that I can think of that do have an audience outside of Charlotte would be a podcast called What We Wore, which is Laura Vanderpool's podcast. She she owns a boutique called Capital Boutique, and then she owns the pool shop on Providence Road, and then she owns a boutique in LA as well. And she talks to people in the fashion industry, designers and 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 people who have had an impact. But it's not about like what are you influenced by this season. It's about how they came up and the mistakes they made and how they struggled and and what they kind of have in common with people in in, in other industries as well. It's been, you know, I didn't know anything about uh, fashion. I know a lot more about fashion. <laughs> now we're, we're entering into season seven of that podcast. But it's been really fascinating and just sort of finding that common ground of people that you think are, you know, oh, here's here's this person who's a great designer in an area that I know nothing about, but this person and I and this person and the average Joe have much more in common than you might think. It's a great way to learn, isn't yeah, it? Podcast. It, it really is. I think one of the things you remember when the internet first came out, the first time you got on the web. Yeah. And you first time you started searching, I vividly recall how amazing it was that any subject I could think of had a website. There was yeah, some right. if you were whatever you were into, yeah. there was somebody somewhere in the world who was also yeah. really into that thing and had a website about it. Like yeah. if you're into a particular breed of dog, you right. better believe there's gonna be there's a whole network of websites that were devoted just to that dog. And it it seems trite to even say it now, but this is in the earliest days, in the first year of the yeah. web, these yeah. passions manifested yeah. all throughout the world. And it feels that way with podcasts now. Whatever yeah. your interest is, if you search on yeah. your favorite podcast app, you're going to find a whole yeah. bunch of podcasts about that subject, and it's a wonderful way to learn. And if you're if you're super passionate about it, I always I speak to a lot of groups about podcasting and sort of why you should have a podcast. And I always ask, you know, what's your why? And and it's really interesting because the the answer to that what's your why question is different. And they're all perfectly viable answers. Even if your response to that question is, you know, I want to make money, it's a perfectly viable reason to do this. You're going to be disappointed, but it's a perfectly viable you're reason. You're going to have to take a certain approach to it. And you're yeah, going to have exactly. to hustle, and it's right. going to have to be a certain type of thing. Yeah, for sure. But if you're, you know, oh, I want to expose people to this, you know, Norwegian death metal band that I really like, you are going to find an audience. It might not be huge. It might not be anything that you can monetize necessarily. But if you're... If you're doing this with energy and passion and speaking with with enthusiasm about a thing that you're interested in, people are going to find you. Well, how have you found Charlotte as a podcast town? Like compared because you go all over the place and speak at conferences and stuff like that. Yeah. So is there a thriving podcast scene in Charlotte, or we how how, how do you how have you found it? It's good. I think COVID took a little bit of a chunk out of it. I think pre COVID there was a lot of sort of meetups and things like that in groups, and we would partner with WFAE and and. And hold some events and competitions and things like that where we would listen to pitches for podcasts. A lot of that now has sort of stopped. I suspect it'll come back, but I think even though we're all kind of behaving as though COVID is over, I think we're still a little bit hungover from it, especially, you know, as far as like holding events where people get together and hang out in the same room. So I think it'll come back. But right now, I think the sort of social aspect 
of being a podcaster sort of on hold for just a little bit. But there's new podcasts popping up all the time, and 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 it's really interesting. We get, you know, I get I get a dozen emails a week from people who are like, "Hey, I've got this podcast. Can you take a listen to it?" You know, I want to be on your network, and 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 the one that entertains me the most is, "Hey, my friends and I are really funny, and we're thinking about a podcast. Can we be on your network?" There's and nothing better than like four guys sitting around exactly just right. riffing. <laughs> right, we like to drink a lot and talk about movies. Like, no, 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 you no, no. Well, you know that I I, I don't know. It's it, it's an educational experience, I think, even for the producers. You know, because when you if you're honest with yourself and you listen back, I think a lot of times you can tell, like, oh wow, yeah, this isn't as good as the stuff that I yeah. like to listen to. Yeah, I had a podcast that approached that we ended up actually taking on. And I won't I won't tell you what it is, but they were it was a certain situation where they would produced some episodes slightly tipsy and i was like that it doesn't i know that you probably think it's really good listening but i'm here to tell you it's not so you know if we're going to take you on that that particular practice has to stop not that i'm against drinking or anything professionals are professionals for a reason yeah exactly but like you know as we've been saying the beautiful thing about the internet and certainly podcasts are a phenomenon of the internet yeah. is that everybody's got a shot so yeah everybody you know a bunch of people started blogs in the mid 90s and a lot of them are professional writers yep. you know yeah. at prominent publications now and that's they got their shot because through essentially self-publishing yeah. right and podcasting certainly opens up that type of opportunity so. yeah it's the great equalizer you know anybody can do it it, it you don't need you know a thousand dollar setup you need you know, a pair of Apple headphones with a little microphone on the thing, and 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 you can record something right now and have it uploaded. Well, we could go on and on, and maybe one day we will. We we should do that. But <laughs> yeah, I'd, love that. I, I'd, I'd like to bring it around as as we think about closing this about your thoughts about Charlotte. You've you came to Charlotte in 2010, and you've been here now for your 13th year, which for for you, that's a long time, right? That's yeah. that, that's one of the longer times you've ever lived anywhere, and yeah. and you've seen a lot of changes in Charlotte. And I wonder what your observations are of this city and of yourself. As you you're quite notably over forty, uh, we, yes. we are here to celebrate you as a winner of the forty over forty. And as as you're uh, growing older in Charlotte, what are your thoughts about this town and your part in it? It's a it's a great place. It, it's I did not expect. I kind of moved here almost sight unseen. My first time in Charlotte was for my interview at WBTV. And then a month later, I was driving across the country to move here. So, you know, I'd spent all of maybe 28 hours in Charlotte and then before we moved here in 2010. But it's a, it's a really, really great place. It's been, it's been exceedingly welcoming for my wife and I and 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 the opportunities that we've both been given have been really really gratifying and just fun. It's been fun to kind of you know get where we are right now. My wife and I are both self-employed, so it's been hard work, but but it's a great place to be. It's a beautiful part of the country, and I don't. I mean, you know, forever is a long time, but I don't imagine us moving anytime soon. Certainly. Well, what a perfect way to wrap it up. Brian, thank you for being together with me and thanks for all that you do in Charlotte. Yeah, and thank you guys for you know for being open to joining the network too. We appreciate it and thanks for having me. That's it for today. The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. And you can find out more about our 40 Over 40 Awards 
at ledger40over40.com. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Queen City